Believers, and welcome to this episode of Branding for Believers. I'm Dr. Shante, and this is the podcast that equips entrepreneurs and influencers with the tools, the faith, and the confidence to believe bigger in their dreams. I am very excited about our guest today, primarily because the first time I heard this individual speak, I was just completely wrapped in his story and in his triumph. And so our guest today is Derek Kayango. Derek and his family fled civil war in Uganda and settled in the U.S. when Derek was just 10 years old. And now he's a successful entrepreneur. He's a renowned expert in environmental sustainability and global health. And he's the founder of the Global Soap Project, of which I have personally donated and made contributions because it's just a phenomenal cause. And it's a program that takes donated, melted, purified and reprocessed hotel soaps and redistributes them to vulnerable populations around the world. So, Derek, welcome to Branding for Believers. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate being the call. This is fantastic. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself and about your your initiative, the Global Soap Project. Well, that's another question, but I really appreciate it. Um, I'm originally Ugandan. It's a small little country out of uh, Africa, the size of Oregon, and left the country, as you had mentioned in your intro, uh, due to war. And because of that, we became refugees And uh, in Kenya, where I was raised. Then got a chance to come to the U.S., uh, where I checked into a hotel and saw three bars of soap, facial soap, body soap, and hand-washing soap. And for the life of me, I didn't know what the difference was. And, you know, putting them away every evening, they would bring new soap. So I realized that they were actually throwing away the soap once used only once. And that gave me the vision to start the Global Soap Project, which primarily does one thing, which is to take partially used bars of soap from hotels, recycle it, make brand new soap out of it, which we then give to poor people around the world, namely refugees, of anything that has to do with humanitarian crises around the world, just like the Ebola crisis that just happened in West Africa. Mm-hmm. That was very, very important to us. That's fantastic. So if you have this history, this story where, you know, you have fled from one country to another and left behind everything that you, you've known, I have to believe that that has taken a great deal of faith. So that's where I want you to take our listeners right now. Take us to a time during your success journey where you had to make a difficult decision. Tell us about a time where you really had to trust your gut and exercise some faith to go in a different direction. You know, it starts all with a a passion for something. Uh, I think we all have different passions, but very few of us have the drive to jump from one place to another. In other words, to be part of big stories, you've got to have big faith. And so for me, it was this issue of uh, not being satisfied with what I was dealing with, which was my regular nine to five. I just didn't think that was my calling uh, to sit at the desk every day. And some of us, that's, that's our calling, that's fine. But for me, I needed something much more bigger uh, that had to do a lot with where I was from. Giving back was a big deal for me. But most people have the illusion uh, that giving back is something you just put out money and say, oh, I want to give back. You know, it takes a lot of gumption. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of business acumen. It takes a lot of uh, uh, steadiness and, and steadfastness to do those big things, to be part of big stories. So for me, the one thing that uh, stuck for me in my journey was this idea of leaving my job and the, and the, and the lack of the comfort that are not guaranteed. For inter- entrepreneurs, we 
you never know where Jen is going to take you. You just have to really believe that things will work out mm-hmm. and that it will be difficult and hard. Once you believe that and you face up to that fact, then whatever shows up in the journey is just a small monument that will remind you later on of how great your overcomings were. So that's what for me was the biggest deal, is leaving my comfort zone, which was my job, my regular 95, which paid my bills and had my, my insurance and had all that stuff guaranteed, to now just launching out on my own. That was very tough. I want to pull a couple of things out of what you just said. Um, the first of which is giving back is more than just giving money. And a lot of people think that they feel like, you know, oh, I give to my local charity. I give to a local cause. And as far as they're concerned, you know, that's giving back. But what you're saying is that truly giving back is an investment of your total self. Is that right? Correct. It's, 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 in fact, it's much more than even total self. It digs deeper into your family connections, your family uh, friendships, your, um, your, your church, everything that is needed to do the job to get the job done is what this entails. Uh, when you are trying to do something big in terms of philanthropy or in terms of business, you'll find that you need every tool in your toolkit mm-hmm. to actually do the work. It's not a part-time idea to go out there and do big things. It's never part-time. It consumes you every day. So what is required is the passion and the purpose altogether, but also the steadfastness to stay the course. Mm. You've got to stay the course because if you go in and out of this idea of, of self-actualization, you get beat, you lose. I, I look at sports figures and how f- fantastic they are at their craft. It's all about practice every single day and staying the course through injuries, through adversity. That's what makes them great. Not them doing it part-time. You never see an NBA player who is a part-time player. You never see it. That's right. Even the ones that sit on the bench and don't get much playing time, they still have to commit to the practice. They still have to commit to the regimen to stay the course because you never know when their opportunity is going to present itself for them to actually get into the game. Let's move forward a little bit. You know, you said you had your your bills paid and you had insurance and you had benefits. And so you left that. Tell me when you got your confirmation that this was the right move for you. You said you wanted to do something bigger. How did you know when you had made the right choice? It was after my first failure. Oh. Uh, (laughs) Most people don't know that uh, the intersection of failure and uh, success is where the truth is Hmm. Um, that if you have not failed big, if you have not made big decisions to fail big, it's very hard to see the light of a glorious ending. And I think that when you look at people like Moses in the Bible, they failed big. Mm -hmm. When you look at uh, people like Barack Obama, they failed in big ways, in many ways that we cannot even imagine. But you know what? During that failure, they learn a lot about themselves and they learn about the journey that they have embarked on. Mm-hmm. It is not any different, Shantae, from a medical doctor or a scientist who's trying to figure out uh, the cure to a disease. Look at them. They go to the lab and fail every time, but every time they fail in experimenting on curing that disease, they learn things about the disease. They start to do a mapping of the disease and figure out things very quickly. So that's what happened for me. It's when I failed big, that's when I realized how important the work was 
but also that the success was near. So what was that failure? Take us to that place. How did you know that you had, had dropped the ball? So I had told people that I can recycle soap, which was my board. And what I didn't know was that making brand new soap is totally different from recycling soap, which has been partially used. Mm. So I went and bought a crop pot from uh, a shop and PCV pipes and figured I'm going to melt the soap, boil it and melt, melt it, put it in PCV pipes, and then the next morning we'll have brand new soap. What I did know was that once I put water into the soap and boiled it, I changed the chemistry and the pH system of the soap. Mm. So once I came up with the product, I took it to the board meeting before I really figured out exactly what had happened. I told the board members, oh, here's a brand new soap that we've recycled. Congratulations to everybody for doing a good job. <laughs> One week later, <laughs> my board member called me and said, Eric, something happened to the soap. I said, what? And Shante, it had shrunk to a penny. Oh, no. <laughs> All of them. Oh, no. <laughs> and that's when I realized, oh, wow. I have just failed because I've guaranteed my board members that we can recycle soap. The hotels are already on board. At the point, I had already 30 hotels that were giving me two tons of soap every week. I had told donors that we have a solution to this. Everybody was on board, and here I was with a shrunken product. Oh. Now, that's where you start to really think about real solutions versus these uh, platitudes that we give ourselves when you're an entrepreneur. That is really powerful. You know, some people, when I ask them that question, what's your confirmation of belief? They say things like, oh, it's when I got my first $10,000 check. Or, you know, it's when I got a call, you know, from some important person to speak at this event. But for you, you said my confirmation was in the big failure because that's when I really had to get up close and personal with this cause that I had committed myself to and start looking at real solutions and not, like you said, platitudes, empty words. It's not a, a pitch. It's a, a process. You know, these are people in their lives. So that's really powerful. Yes. I think that those intersections where the, the uncomfortable happens force you to become better at what you're supposed to be doing as your craft. Not when you are in the middle of successful little uh, gains. That's not where the real crux of the issue is because your competition is failing too and they're learning a lot about their failure and perfecting. It's in the areas of perfection that we become really confirmed in our journey. I love this, this idea of failing forward. You know, it's an opportunity to learn. You know, in many ways, failure is a gift because when you are successful, sometimes you get complacent and you get stuck. But what you're saying is, is that it's within the failures and even your competition is failing. But in that failure, there's success because they're also learning and refining their process to be better at what they want to become. Yes, absolutely. Let's move a little bit bigger. So you said that there was something you know, a a calling, you knew that you were bigger than a desk, you knew that you were bigger than a nine to five. And for those of you listening, I just encourage you, if you ever have the opportunity to hear Derek speak in person or need someone to come and speak for you, Derek has a larger than life personality. You're talking big. This man, just his personality is larger than life. I kid you not. But in terms of your personal connections, where do you draw your sources of inspiration? Where do you find the faith to keep going after something like that happens? After you have this colossal failure, where do you find the faith 
to push forward? I think there's this idea which is rooted in ancient traditions that uh, has to do with um, sitting down with self and not just to examine where things are, but to really find out what you can tolerate. Mm-hmm. I think that we, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out where the inspirations are outside of us. And that has been done by so many authors and critics and all that stuff. So I do get that. What I'm concerned about is self. Uh, can you sit down with yourself and really analyze how inadequate you are and what you need to do to become adequate? And that doesn't necessarily have to do with your competitor or your friend out there who's doing very well. because your conditionalities that surround your success or failure are totally different and evolve every day. Mm-hmm. So there's no other replication out there other than the simple encouragement by somebody. But the experience is unique to you. And so once I figured out that the experience is unique to me, then I sat down and said, so what are my weaknesses? And I really, really have spent a lot of time dealing with my weaknesses. But I also dealing with my strengths. What are my strengths? And so I figured out very quickly that I was very, very good at people power networking, not just networking, but power networking. Mm -hmm. I have the ability to identify people who are cause-related, meaning they relate to my cause directly. This is how I got the board that I have and the Hilton Corporation on board and the things that they've done to help for me. But in my weaknesses, I also found that I was not very, very tolerant and patient. Mm. Uh, I, I jumped very quickly whenever there was a little light of hope. I should have never gone to the board after I recycled the soap that night to tell them that we have already a finished product. That was a, a display of lack of patience. And that has nothing to do with anybody encouraging me to be patient. It has to do with me encouraging myself to say, this was wrong and you need to deal with it personally. That's the important thing is to self-reflect before you go out there to get encouraged by other people's stories. Find encouragement in your story. Deal with it. That, that gives me chills on so many levels, primarily because a lot of times when we're looking for the strength, the faith, the courage to go on, we look outward. And what you're saying is, is that you looked inward. And sometimes as entrepreneurs, you know, you're busy and you're so busy doing, but you're not dealing with who you are in this process. And it can be very easy to become distracted by so many of the moving pieces that are going on around you that you really have not taken that time to look at who you are and who you're becoming in this process and what you might need to change and challenge about yourself. That is, that is powerful. It is powerful. And one of the things that I, I repeat very dearly is that when I was changing, as you've mentioned, and when I was dealing with all these things, I wasn't documenting my history in that process that I could look back and remember the cataloging of what experience did I go through at this particular moment? How did I deal with it? What were my feelings? Because I was reading other people's feelings and other people's books and how they dealt with their situation. That was such a, a, a mere cop on my end that I wish now I had not done things that was so now for me. It's a lot to do with introspection, working with myself, finding those little events that cause me to get motivated. They're personal events. They're not anybody else's events. They're my events. That's what I'm really specializing in right now. And so that is a a tip for you guys listening and, and believers. Document your journey. 
Don't be so busy in the process and in the going and the doing that you are not really reflecting and being introspective about what you're learning. Because when those moments have passed, it can be hard to recapture them again. Correct. Derek, I'm going to challenge you. Those who are listening, they have been where you are. You know, they've had some failures. They've been at a crossroads. What advice or words of wisdom would you give them to encourage them along the way? Well, the first thing to be honest with everybody is that it's not easy. So let's not even kid ourselves. We totally understand that it's not easy. The idea here is to figure out ways to mitigate the pain through being committed to your goals and knowing that there's always a light at the end of the the tunnel. That's very cliche to say, but it's very, very true. Things do get better, especially if you're doing the right thing. So as long as you're doing the right thing, things will change and you will force entry into the world that you seek, which is to achieve your goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing that I know of or nobody that I know of who has tried to do something with a particular dedication and commitment that has ever failed for eternity. Even bank robbers do succeed because they do research and <laughs> they try and try. Don't be a they bank do, robber, folks. <laughs> no, that's both, both characteristics are driven by persistence. Mm-hmm. Yeah? If you're going to fail and you're going to fail in life, you persist in doing that by not being committed, by not being dedicated, by not healing, by not correcting, by not being uh, observant. You will fail. But if you want to fail in and become successful, every time you make a mistake, you self-correct. Every time you, you're told no, you go back for another no until somebody says yes. Every time you think that things are not going to work out, you spend the next night thinking about the whole process all by yourself. You don't have a focus group at 3 o'clock in the morning. Nobody's going to come up. It's you. You are the focus group. So I think that my encouragement to people is that persistence, a word that we take for granted, is the key to success. It will happen. And that's a that's an excellent charge. You know, it reminds me of a, a quote from Winston Churchill that says, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> you know, you yeah. have to persist through all of the obstacles and all of the challenges. And it also it is what you're saying is comes down to this fundamental notion of sowing and reaping. If you are sowing seeds of doubt and despair yeah. and discouragement, you are going to reap that in your business. However, if you're doing what Derek is saying, which is, you know, you're failing, but you're self-correcting and you're making the adjustments and you're using every challenge as an opportunity to push forward and, and challenge how innovative you can be, then you will be successful. And the key thing is don't stop playing. Don't stop being part of the process. Mm. I don't get out of uh, the game. <laughs> You know, I have a, a friend that told me a joke that I thought was very interesting. This young man prayed every evening to God and said, I want to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. And God was so fed up with his request. One day he came down and said, you know what? Go play. Mm-hmm. You need the ticket. How am I going to make you win the lottery if you've never bought a ticket? Exactly. <laughs> you've got to buy in. You really got to buy in. You've got to stay in the game. You've got to play. Because once you give up and walk out of the game, then you're no longer part of the game, then you're not going to be successful, period. So don't get out of the game because you failed. Just keep on playing and the hope that you'll be successful at one point. 
Awesome. So let's move forward to belief in action. I always want to leave our listeners with something tangible that they can take away, even though you've given us so much value in this interview already. But you mentioned earlier that there were some books that you were reading and some stories that you were reading. So what book would you recommend for people needing to be inspired in their journey right now? You know, Malcolm Gladwell just wrote a book not too long ago called David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. And um, he's using the analogy of, of, of David not in the way that we are accustomed to. Um, she's saying in that book that, you know, if you're going to fight a Goliath, you don't have to exactly be the same size, the same wear the same clothes, carry the same armor like a Goliath. Because then you've you, you, you fallen right into that trap. Mm. And that's what the, Goliath was telling the children of Israel at the time, come and fight me. Because he knew none of them was as big as he was. Go to run to your strength. That's what David did. He ran to his strength and he was asked, how do you think you're going to fight? I think that that's really powerful because I think that a lot of us are facing Goliaths in our in our journey. One thing that people may not want to admit, but it's the truth, is that people compare themselves to other people. You know, they look at something that they want to do and they look at somebody who's done it so well and has a network behind them and funding behind them and resources behind them. And they look at that and they're like, how could I possibly compete with that? But in actuality, as you said, that is the trap is that when you try to compete on that level, that's when you start to lose. You have to look at what you have in your possession, in your arsenal and begin to fight the battle that way. Exactly. Go run to your strength, not to other people's strength because they'll beat you at that. What is your strength? What is your company's strength? And are you able to use that to manipulate your way or to take advantage of the markets? Because the markets need innovation and cleverness, not what is already on the market. We already have it. Don't run to that. Run to your strength. That's where innovation is. Fantastic. So are you a tech person? Can you give us an app or maybe a tech tool that makes life a little bit easier for you and your business, especially with the organization that you run? You know, you 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 you, you are tempting to say something really funny, but the word <laughs> the word has become part of a, a verbal now now in our lexicon, but it has come to um, represent something. Yes, we do have these little apps and institutions that are growing out of uh, an interesting notion. That company doesn't own a single car. Mm. And yet it's one of the biggest taxi services in the world right now. And I think that I use Uber not because I use it to to move from one place to another, but I use it as an inspiration to think about how the new apps in our lives have have a lot to do with being very, very smart in how you use the marketplace to advantage your business. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to use the word app to mean do you have an app in your life that you, you can use to really take advantage of the marketplace? You, you don't have to own a single taxi to transport people all over the world. Mm. What you need is to use everybody's really invented idea, and that's what you use to move around the world. 
a lot of people are, are finally coming to the realization that the 21st century is the knowledge economy. So it's not necessarily what you make, but it's what you think. It's innovation, it's cleverness, it's solving problems. And it may not be necessarily, you know, apps that you have on your phone or things that you can download, but ways that you transport ideas from one community to another and really setting the world on fire with your creation, with your knowledge creation. Exactly. And that's what I did with the recycling of soap. Given what you've already created and how successful it's been, what is the next big thing on the horizon for you? How can people learn more about you and support you? Ah, very good. Um, right now, I'm in the process of figuring out how to recycle the, the shampoo in the bottles mm. and turn that into a product. Uh, we are, uh, we've come up with a chemistry for that, so that's going to be well dandy. Uh, the issue is going to be finding a, 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 the, the investment, the capital investment to transport that from an idea or concept or ideation to, to the marketplace. But I'm also just finishing up with my book, uh, Figures of Failure and how you can turn it into the impetus you need to drive forward. They should have me come and speak to their groups. So that's where I am. I'm perfecting my uh, speaking and doing a very good job at it and also finishing up with my book, which is coming up soon. Fantastic. Derek, thank you so much for coming on the show. You just gave such tremendous value. I've just, I'm just as impressed with your interview as I was the first time that I heard you speak. So thank you so much for taking the time. You are very welcome, Dr. Shante. I, I really uh, appreciate your support and hopefully we'll see you soon. Absolutely. So believers... Go ahead and head over to brandingforbelievers.com for the show notes for today's interview to get the links to some of the causes that Derek mentioned, his own cause, as well as some of the other initiatives that he's working on. Also, you can give me feedback on Twitter and on Instagram. Thank you for listening and I'll see you guys next time.